Hey, hi there. Welcome to Cold Turkey Podcast. This week I'm with uh, Joseph. Joseph has uh, quite a wild run. Uh, it was an interesting talk. I loved um, pretty much everything about it. You know, like I don't want to spoil uh, anything in there. Um, I'm just going to take a second for, uh, for everyone to... Uh, encourage everyone actually to share the podcast let the podcast know to your friends your peers your parents everyone and you know that's that's uh greatly appreciated i'm 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 getting closer to the 15,000 unique listens of all my episodes which is crazy um i'm i'm easily uh averaging over 100 listens per episodes which is just outstanding and quite humbling for me so without further ado here's joseph enjoy Hi, Joseph. How are you doing? Good, Alex. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Um, the first question I'm going to ask is actually a twofold question because, you know, like I think, you know, location is important. So kind of in what area are you in the world and um, and how is pandemic going for you? And especially in terms of, you know, like keeping your sobriety, keeping your sanity. Um, yeah. Um, well, I'm in South Orange, New Jersey, in the United States. Okay, that's about 20 minutes west of Manhattan, in Essex County. Um, how the pandemic is going for me? This is probably isn't going to be a popular answer, um, but I'm thriving. Um, really? To be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I uh, I was laid off from my job. Um, which I've made a living building high-end custom furniture my entire life. And I've been um, coaching, life coaching as a side project um, over the course of the last three years. And um, when I was laid off, you know, it, it, it suddenly freed up a whole lot of time for me to dive into my business full time and, and really build a solid foundation and begin to market myself. Hence, uh, we ended up meeting through a mutual friend and, and uh, there's been just been a ton of opportunity to to be of service to others. And, um, you know, I've had a, I was really overworked. Uh, you know, I was really overworked before I was working 60 hours a week, every single week, seven days a week. And so I've had a chance to dial in my nutrition and optimize my rest and up my exercise, um, as well as um, in, increase my, my recovery interactions. Um, I'm, I'm a, I, I, you know, I, I got and stayed sober in a 12 step program. So I'm an active member in that community. And, uh, you know, they, fortunately I, I have a, a meeting it's an outdoor meeting that I can walk to from my house that never stopped. So I'm able to get to a meeting every day and, and, and poor weather, I'm able to get on a zoom call and, uh, I, my, my, my connections with people have increased. Um, also, my view of of what's important has been revealed to me um, in regards to like human connection. And I've reached out to a lot of people that I haven't talked to in a long time due to to just life being life circumstances and, and being too busy. Um, my health is good. My family's health is good. And, and uh, 
Yeah, I, I have no, honestly, I have, I have no complaints. Um, I, I really don't participate in a, a lot of, uh, I mean, I don't watch the news. I don't read the news. I don't get into discussions to people about the news. I, I have my safeguards in place to, you know, protect myself from the virus and be respectful to others. But beyond that, um, yeah, there's been a lot of silver linings for me. But that's, that's fantastic. I love it. You know, like that's, uh, especially right now, you know, like, um, I know that you guys are, you know, like, and I mean by, you know, all of my south of the border neighbor are going through tense and intense times, especially, you know, like in, you know, like in the past few weeks and months, um, both in terms of, you know, like combining the pandemic and kind of the social tension going on and hearing you, Joseph, just telling me that, you know, like you're doing great is just not only reassuring, but comforting and, and, and fantastic, you know, like, so, so. Don't be, don't be ashamed of that. It's just great. Yeah. You know, you, it's funny that you say that because, you know, sometimes, you know, I know that, that, that there are a lot of people suffering and there's a lot of um, people uncertain about what their future is going to look like. And there's people who can't keep a roof over their head and, you know, feed their children. And so, you know, I'm really don't, I really don't shout for the, from the rooftops about, um, you know, how, how well I'm doing. And, you know, I think that's part of, to be honest with you, I think it's part of a, a mindset of an addict. Like it's okay to be okay. Like the, like I, I can be okay and I could share that. And, you know, it's, 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 it, this came up to me, you know, just a couple of days ago, I had a really good friend of mine who, who lost his life from, from addiction. He, he, he's a, he, uh, is a heroin addict. He overdosed and, and, uh, he, he just didn't make it. Um, and you know, it, I, I, I've had a lot of that in my life and I, I've, I've had a, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, like a survivor's survivor's guilt thing. Um, and you know, it, which is, I don't know what that's all about, but, the, but we talked about it a little bit, you know, pre recording is, is, you know, a lot of people have to die in order for us to live. And, and it's really important for me to, um, that, you know, my friend, he, he, he gave me a gift, he gave me a gift yesterday. You know, he, he reminded me that, that this is a life threatening disease and, and that I can only stay one step ahead of my disease, meaning one day ahead of my disease. I don't gain on it. I don't, I don't bank meetings. I don't have, have to stop working on myself. I'll never be absolved from it. Yeah. There's no savings, um, you know, like there's no saving account on your, your sobriety stability. Right. Yeah. And it also gives me an opportunity to do what's right. You know, it, it's my inclination is to run from this. You know, but because I'm a sober man um, who who lives by certain values um, and I get to choose what those are, like I, I get to be, to be able to show up for his family and his kids and his brothers and his parents um, where my my default thinking is run from that shit, you know? Absolutely. I mean, and at the same time, you know, like it's just um, like you said, you know, like it, it, it's um, it's. It, you know, like to, to flip this and see this as a GIF is just, um, it's not easy. You know, like it's, it's not, it's not simple mm -hmm. to, um, um, you know, like 
there's saying, you know, like that kind of say, you know, like, um, always remember where you're from, but sometimes you need to pull this from others experience. Um, cause that's precisely, you know, like where we could potentially end up or not even potentially surely end up if we, if we don't, um, keep our sobriety healthy. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I, you know, I look at it this way. I, I look at it like if I keep the gratitude close and the pain close, if those two things don't get too far apart, I have a shot today. So in order for me to, to, to keep the gratitude close, I need to be looking you know, at my blessings and, and what I'm grateful for multiple times a day. You know, I, I need to really look how blessed I am. And, it, you know, if things were fair, I would be dead or in prison or at the very least drooling on myself in a mental institution somewhere. And, you know, and I and I and I also need to be able to to see the pain of, of this addiction. And in order for me to do that, I need to be interacting with other people trying to get sober or early in recovery and their families and and see 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 what this does because it i i have i forget you know it, despite overwhelming evidence and me intellectually knowing how painful it is and to live a life like that cuz i did for 25 years almost 25 years i can't taste it you know but i get to taste it by you know being in recovery communities and seeing people come in and and seeing them tore up or going into institutions um, or like where people, you know, try to recover and, you know, trying to set, uh, spread a message of hope and, and seeing like seeing what it's like, you know, to try to get off, you know, booze and drugs. Um, so my motto is, is if my gratitude and my pain don't get too far apart, I got a shot today. That's um, yeah. I mean, like that's, quite inspiring you know like so uh it's um yeah like like you said you know like we spoke you know like we talked a bit you know like just before recording and um it's all about you know, like just knowing and fearing um what's ahead of us if we don't if we don't um uh, take care of 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 sobriety if we don't ca take care of our own abstinence um that means, you know, like having a clear mind, knowing exactly where we're going, taking it one step, one day, one minute at a time if needs to, and um, just stay in the moment, you know, and, and sometimes it's tough, you know, like, especially, I think, you know, like I, uh, you know, like I've said that a few times, but um, the virtual thing um, was, was a bit hard initially for me, you know, like the, the not being close to some of the, the, the close people to, you know, like uh, to me, you know, like, um, uh, and, and I mean by that in, in the fraternities, right. You know, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a 12 stepper myself and, um, I have like a co a close tight circle of friends that I like hanging out with. And, uh, initially being on a zoom meeting didn't cut it. You know, like it was, it was tough. You know, like I found it super tough. My, my sponsor is in, in, um, I would mm -hmm. say in a critical range of, of age mm -hmm. that, you know, like it, it, it you know, like it, it could be potentially, um, uh, dangerous, I'd say for him, you know, like for, you know, like to be, to be close to him. So, um, I need to be careful about that too. And, um, 
And yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, like, um, it was, it was initially, uh, like a, a harder, yeah, it was just harder. Um, and so hearing and, and by talking about it and by sharing with people how tough I found it, um, it made my life easier because I could hear people saying, no, 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 no. Just don't see, look at it that way. Just flip it around. And, uh, at least there's, there's some, you know, outlet for us to, to share and to hear shares. And, and I was like, yeah, you know, like, let's, let's, you know, like, um, one is better than zero. Right. You know, like, so, um, it was, uh, yeah, it is, it is a weird time, but you know, like I'm, I'm happy to hear that, um, you're doing great. You know, like, so it's, it's fantastic. Thanks, Alex. You know, I have an alternate view on this. If you're interested in hearing it, um, Absolutely. it's a, it's, it's a, it's just something I've been giving a lot of thought to, um, you know, being, you know, in the rooms, um, of recovery since, you know, August 20th, 2009 and, and, um, multiple places in the country. Um, and, and, you know, there being a, a lot of people talking about, um, you know, men and women slipping through the cracks um, without having, you know, rooms to go to and with uh, it, things being moved into a virtual world. And, you know, I started to give it some thought and um, and it, it, it's really was based on my experience and, and what I see, um, what I've seen over the course of, of 11 years is I think it balances itself out. And here's why. Um, have you ever been in a, you know, in a 12 step room and when somebody comes in and with the best intentions, they get swarmed by other members, like really swarmed by them and really get into their space and, and, you know, try to right away start, you know, getting close with them and, um, trying to take their hand and, and, and show them the way and, you know, I was like that. And I've seen people, I've seen that chase people out of the rooms, like th this aggressive behavior with the best intentions to, you know, embrace somebody in our community. I've seen that people run the other way. Yeah. You know, it, it was like that for me. Like, fortunately, I, you know, I, you know, I know this, I, I, I really, I sent off a vibe where it was very clear that I was not a person to be approached, but like, uh, see, some people aren't like that. And, and so with, with it being moved to this virtual world, I think the people who would have been scared out by, by such closeness, get, get an opportunity, um, in the, in, in these virtual rooms, so to speak, um, to do this at their own pace. And I think somehow it comes out in the wash and, and like, I don't think there's, any less people getting the opportunity. I just think that it balances itself out and who they are is different. Oh, and, and don't get me wrong, Joseph, you know, like, I think you're absolutely right. You're like, I do also have an argument on top of, you know, like the argument that it was because I, I'm, 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 my sobriety is born out of those close encountered meetings. Um, but I, I do believe, and you know, like I, I had, and still have testimonials of people writing me um, since I've launched that podcast a, a year and a half ago of people telling me I, I like I feel um, I, 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 I still don't feel welcome in meeting rooms. Um, I have a hard time going through these doors um, and um, listening to your podcast and other, you know, like outlets um, actually helps me 
you know, like trying to, you know, keep a day away from, from my first drink. And, um, I'm like, well, I get it, you know, like, and, and, and again, you know, like I, I do have an argument that, you know, like in 2020, it wasn't normal that before the pandemic, there was so very few outlets in the new media that are available to us, um, that they were, they were so little outlets of, of, um, reaching out or finding a place or a virtual place on which I could share, uh, my pains and my, you know, like my worries and, and actually, um, um, having those almost a hundred year old movements be inviting to the next generation. Um, and you know, like I, I, I do tell the story quite often, but you know, like during the holidays, I had like a, um, a youth special with two younger kids, you know, like, and, and, you know, like I would say like a younger generation than mine. And I, I kind of out loud asked the question, have you ever seen a Facebook banner any, in any shape or form, um, about AA or NA or CA? And, um, I've never seen one. And I don't know if you ever seen one, Joseph, but um, for me, it, it, it's not normal that, you know, like there's still, there's still an ad in the newspaper, um, but there's no ad in, you know, which reaches out or to our youth right now. Um, and so I think you're absolutely right. You know, like there's, there's, um, there's something great about you know like the the anonymity that you know like a, a zoom meeting can provide and about the fact that you know like some people um it get it's it's it could be a bit too much to be in a hundred plus room full of sober people in there and you know like it's uh and especially you know, like i think you know like the the some of those meetings and some of those fraternities definitely need um a cure you know like a kind of a youth cure um and that pandemic has probably, you know, I kick, you know, I kick things off and, uh, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, that's a good point. that's a good point. It's, uh, like I said, I think it comes out in, in the wash. Um, I'm also a firm believer that, you know, nothing anybody says or does can get somebody sober and nothing anybody says or does can get somebody high and drunk. Um, you know, I think there are higher forces involved, um, which, which makes those decisions. And a lot of times it, it may even be in the cards, um, already. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and we'll, we'll get to that. And, you know, I think the time is right to actually rewind that Joseph life story tape. And, um, you bring me back in that time machine to either, um, it's pretty much always kind of the same first marking point, but you know, like either you using for the first time, are you having memories of the, you know, like being witness of, um, something memorable in terms of substance abuse around you and tell me where do we rewind that tape, Joseph? I mean, it could go all the way back. I, I you know, most of you know the people who who end up in recovery have pretty run of the mill stories um but i will say that that you know i picked up a drink um but by the time i was 10 i had already picked up a drink and before that well before that i was well aware of it around me 
and that it was having an effect on people. And then I wanted to know what that was. So there was a curiosity, probably back to my earliest memories where I could think for myself, where I would, I saw the correlation between, you know, people's behavior changing and having an effect from alcohol or drugs and that I was interested in that. So it goes back that far. Bring me back to that time. You know, like what's the family picture like, you know, like what, what, you know, like what, um, kind of, you know, like what kind of, um, what's your life like back, you know, like you, you said 10, but you know, like bring me back to that time. Well, I mean, in inside, um, you know, not on the outside, but my inner world was one of, you know, I, I never really had any peace, um, or, and before I even, I even picked up a drink. So it's like, I always felt really uncomfortable in my own skin. I always felt other than, um, I, I didn't feel a part of, um, you know, my, my family house, my family world was pretty normal. Neither of my parents drank or drugged. Um, there was a, there was a lot of alcohol and drugs in the family. Um, but I, I would, you know, I would see it, you know, in, you know, at family parties and stuff. And I would watch it, their, you know, their behavior change. Was it and, the, and, uh, sorry, George, was it the, you know, like, cause everyone has that, you know, like a happy drunk uncle and, you know, like there was drama in my family. I mean, like every, well, most of the holidays, you know, like if, if people would get too drunk, you know, like they would be like, uh, I've, I haven't told you all year, but you know, since I'm, I'm smashed right now, you know, like I'm going to tell you whatever, whatever. And, you know, like there was kind of that yearly or whatever special occasion drama, but would you, would you say that it was, um, kind of almost like the folklore, uh, you know, like a funny drunk that has, that you had as an uncle or aunt or whatever, or it was more like drama oriented. I mean, I, I'm betting that my perception was warped, but it looked all good to me. Okay. Like, you know, it, to, to me, it, it looked like, um, like a, they were having a good time, you know, that it was increasing their joy, that there was more laughter. I, I am not, you know, I'm not discounting the fact that I had an alcoholic mind before I even picked up a drink, mm -hmm. but you know, I had an uncle who, who owned a, owned a bar. So I grew up in a bar and that's all I ever wanted to do is be in the bar. Um, and, and I'm sure there was ugliness going on. I didn't notice it. Wow. It just looked like, I can't wait to do that. You said, uh, you mentioned being, you know, like quite uncomfortable and not feeling great inside um one of the question i do ask is yeah you know like the and and 10 years old was pretty much when you picked you know like the, the first drink but um one of the first outside authority is school right like that you know like that you know like your initial authority is the, the parental authority but the the first relation with external authority is school and teachers and 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 so on um how was school um i did not like authority. Um, I was very defiant. Um, and however, like I was the type of person, this will say a lot about my disease. Okay. So I was the type of person that was 
you know, I was popular. I was always surrounded by, I always had a lot of friends. I always was surrounded by people who wanted to spend time with me. And my thinking was, what the fuck is wrong with you? Wow. I thought there was something wrong with them because they liked me. And I, I thought either they were blowing smoke up my ass, stroking me, or they wanted something from me. Um, so I, I never, I, I, when, which says a lot about my disease of alcoholism, you know, so suspectful kind of doubtful or suspectful about, about people. Yeah. Well, either not understanding because I, cause I hated myself so much, Yeah, you know, not understanding what it like, since they want to be around me and spend time with me, there must be something wrong with them. Or they must want something from me or they're being deceitful. Yeah. Was there something, you know, like maybe a weird question to ask, but was there something to hate? You know, like, were you overweight? Were you, you know, like, did you, you know, did you have something that, you know, like you wanted to hide or, um, and again, you know, like it, it may seem like a weird question, but you know, like, it, you know, like, I, I, um, if you had like a stutter or, you know, like, oops. no, that it's, that's not a weird question. And no, on the outside, like if I would look at a picture of myself as a young person, um, you, what you would see is a, is a happy person, a confident person, a per- person who looks secure in his own in his own skin. Um, no, not, not overweight, not, you know, I was athletic. I was good in school. None of that, but that is not what was going on between my ears. (laughs) You know, wow. like what was going on between my ears is that I'm defective, you know, and that anything I had, it was a false perception of reality. It's like, you know, I'll look at myself at, say I, I see a picture of myself when I'm 19 years old. Now, I'm a I'm a college athlete. Um, I'm I'm in near perfect shape, um, and and I look at that person and I and that's what I see when I, in hindsight. Like today, when I look at that yep. person, I say that that's a person that's in perfect shape, that looks confident, that looks happy. In my head, that is not what was going on. In my head, I was I was fat. I was ugly. I was. I was awkward. I was all these negative things about myself that it it was. I was detached from reality. Is is the point? How did you feel? um, Did did you feel that um, that was again? You know, like I'm asking those questions because you know, like I, I I'm I'm sure there are a ton of people that could relate to that emotion. But I'm 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 asking. did you feel that at some point, you know, like it wasn't normal to feel that way? And I mean by that, you know, like, you know, like kind of, you know, like trying to find um, outlet to reach out to, to discuss that or to share that inner feeling you had? No, I, I never asked about it. Um, you know, I, I never would admit it. I would never, you know, seek you know, information and, you know, from anywhere or from anyone to, to confirm it. Um, I was pretty much, you know, that they call, you know, they say the nature of our disease is self-centeredness. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's a prime example of that. I can't see past my own face. Mm -hmm. So like, 
but at, but at the same time, I'm always comparing my insides with other people's outsides. So it, it's a place of, of being detached from what's real, um, being detached from the truth. Yeah. Um, so no, it's, it's, um, I never wondered like, Oh, does that person feel this way? Or like, you know, I would just go from like what I see, you know, like from, from how they behaved or how they looked, but I, I would never like if somebody who, like, let's just say one of my brothers, you know, um, when I got into recovery, um, and I was a few years into recovery, we had a conversation and I tried to explain this to him, like how I felt. And he didn't understand it. Like, he's like, well, like if you had it, like he, he almost didn't believe me. Like I was lying to him. He's like, that's sure not how you acted. That's not how, what other people thought of you when they met you. This was all happening inside. It's the soul sickness. It's the soul sickness that this, that we treat with whatever it is our poison is, whether it be alcohol, drugs, food, people, sex, spending, um, work, you name it. Um, what this disease is, is it's a soul sickness and I had it. You mentioned um, 10 years old when you had your first drink. Um, can you tell me a bit more, you know, like about the context and, you know, like how, how you felt when you, when, when you, when you took it? Sure. Um, you know, the, the, the first one was, was just kind of like around the house, um, you know, like some wine on a holiday or something. Um, and, you know, I can't say that I had a, a moment where it was like, oh, I like the effects of this. Um, however, like I had mentioned earlier, when you asked me the question, I was very interested in it. And I knew that there was something with it that I wanted to know about. Um, but when I first got to let my hair down, so to speak, um, and, you know, get my hands on a sufficient amount of, of alcohol, you know, along with, with marijuana, um, you know, the, the effects were, you know, I, I were immediate, like in, in hindsight, you know, I can say, say that at that point, um, it became my number one priority in my life. Like nothing came, like everything I did, everything that I said, who I surrounded myself with, how well I did in school or other arenas were about protecting my right to do that in the future. Um, how quickly it, did that come? It was immediate. Um, you know, I, I was, I was probably 13 and you know, I, I, I was with a bunch of friends and we got into a, a you know, a big party and it, it was magical. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, I, I, we were at a party with a bunch of like 17, 18 year old kids. I w was flying high. All that uncomfortableness melted away. I ended up, you know, meeting and having sex with a, a beautiful 18 year old Asian girl, which was a first. And I just chased that for the rest of my life. I just never got it again. Yeah. And, you know, like, like a lot of first times, um, you, you, you want to repeat that experience, you know, like, which is kind of, a an un, un plausible and un, almost like, um, 
impossible quests, you know? It's impossible. Like the stars were aligned and I never, <clears throat> I went another 20 plus years and never quite got there. So you said that by 13, you just want to repeat that experience. Yes. I mean, you know, obviously I had to maintain a certain amount of, of outside appearances, you know, like, like I, I had a strict family and, you know, um, I was also like really into athletics. Um, so it was really important to me to stay within the guidelines of whatever rules were in place there, which included like me doing well academically. So it's, it didn't spill into, a, you know, a, 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 every time that I drank, like bef before when I was in my early teens, when I did drink, it was always like, you know, wake up half in the front door, half out of the front door, wake up where I didn't know I was or wake up in the yard um, or some sort of I would get into some sort of scrape. Um and end up in trouble with the law. Um, but it was, you know, I, it, it was spread out, you know, by no means was it a, a, a daily thing. Um, and uh, it was more like uh, as, as, as often as I, as I could, um, things started to progress um, as I got later in my teens. And probably quite lucky as well, you know, like, because you were blessed with, talents and a good genetic and you know so you could um last minute save your ass from you know being in trouble right yeah i'm the king of the save save your ass performance yeah i've been told <laughs> that before <laughs> that, exactly um where does that and i mean in terms of you know like the the the, the school and all that you know, like when where does that end up Um, well, I, the, the most important thing to me, I, the only thing that really mattered to me was, um, sports. Um, so I ended up, um, playing, um, football in college and my, my career was, was cut short due to, um, alcohol being increasingly, um, more important in my life and multiple injuries and surgeries and, and not, you know, taking care of myself during recovery periods. And, um, as far as education goes, you know, I, I always did well with school, but I never learned a fucking thing. You know, everything that I'd learned in life, um, I certainly didn't learn in a classroom, anything important that I've ever learned that was any use to me. I never learned in the classroom. Um, but, you know, when, when I finally had enough of all the surgeries and like I said, it, it, it was slowly, you know, playing football slowly was, was getting less important as alcohol and drugs start started to become more important. Um, you know, I, I hit a, a, a first real bottom at, at the age of 20. Um, and, uh, at What that happened? Point, um, you know, I never drank every day. Um, strictly because it was one of those, you know, rules that I had in place that like it, 
if I drank every day, that meant that I, w- I was an alcoholic. So it was like, and it was also one of those things that ensured that I would be able to drink in the future. Like I said, I always needed to have that in my back pocket. And I knew nothing about this. Honestly, I didn't know anything about why I did what I did and and whether, like I'm saying, it was the most important thing to me. All the decisions I've ever made was based on protecting my right in the future. I didn't know any of that until I was well into my, my recovery. I didn't know anything about the truth. And I, I couldn't even tell you that I had this intimate relationship with alcohol where I felt like it was, you know, like I liked the effects of alcohol and I had to have it. It was more like I was operating on on autopilot. Um, so it's, you know, what, what I'm saying is, is, is a lot of how I explain my story is the, as I see it in, in reverse, like you said, in hindsight, um, you know, the, the twisted part about all this is, is, you know, after 20 years of this stuff and, 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 you know, with most consequences short of, of long-term prison and death, you know, come August 2009, and I had been in detoxes, I had been in rehabs, I had been in 12-step rooms, I was forced into these situations, um, either by the law or family or job um, or or friends or girlfriend, outside forces. Um, and, you know, I would stop, you know, this is part of the thing that really you know, fed my disease that I actually didn't have a fucking problem. Everyone else thought I had a problem. I didn't. Um, but that's like looking at it in, in hindsight, it's, it's completely delusional, but I, I never, you know, I, I just never, even when I got there this time and, and, you know, it, the bot, like the bottom continued to get worse. I would stop for sometimes a year at a time. Um, without any desire of staying stop, I would, it was more like doing a sentence. It was like jail time. Like I will do this and I will tell everyone what they want to hear. Like a cleanse. Take these steps until the smoke clears and I can get back to business. Um, and when I hit my last bottom, what turned out to be my last bottom. And I pray that it is my last bottom because they say there's always a bottom below a bottom. Um, you know, I was, I had a $300 day heroin habit. I was homeless. I was hopeless. I obsessed about suicide and I wasn't done yet. I still wasn't done. Like I I checked into a detox due to a family intervention and I walked into that place. Look like I did every other time. It's like, okay, well I'm out of options here. I, I started to do really desperate shit to get what I needed. And, um, I'm not sure what was next. I knew I was at the end of the line. But I, in the back of my head, I, I wasn't ready yet. Like I was just going to go through the motions and however long that was going to be until I can get back to doing what I did. Um, that's not what happened. And, and we talked about this, but you know, like I want you to elaborate on that. Um, you, you said, you know, like before we started recording that, um, you, you know, like you, you're all, you f- you almost don't feel responsible and like you just said you know like that it's this time it worked but you know like you have no idea how and why that this time it worked 
Um, can you elaborate of that on that thought process? Uh, I have an idea. <laughs> I know what it is, but it has nothing to do with me. Um, it, it was a divine intervention of some kind. Um, you know, I, I was being carried. Um, I was being carried, pushed, pulled, dragged, wh whatever it is you want to call it. Um, higher forces stepped in. Um, I was also blessed with willingness. Um, that I, it was kind of like I was on an escalator um, where, and what was going on between my ears was run, 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 run. But I kept taking directions. I kept doing what I was told to do. I stayed one more day. I stayed one more hour. I didn't pick up a minute at a time. And I don't know where that was coming from. Um, there was a time in my recovery um, down the line a little bit where, you know, I had, I fully made the commitment. Like I fully believe that, that this is a, the, the only way that I could live. Um, and not only that, I had the desire to try to live a different life. And I had hope that I wasn't going to die an alcoholic death, which I had accepted many, many years before as the way I was going to go down. And I was completely fine with it. So that, you know, how if we're talking 12 steps, you know, they say all you need is a desire to stop drinking. And then there's the first three steps, you know, admitting powerlessness over alcohol and drugs or whatever it is your poison is, you know, admitting that you're insane and that there's a power greater yourself that might restore you to sanity and then turning your will over that power. No, 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 and no. I had none of those things. I had no desire to stop drinking or drugging. I certainly wasn't going to, um, didn't believe that there was anything that was higher than me that I didn't have my hand in that was going to stop me. And sh I sure as fuck wasn't turning my will over to anything that I didn't even understand. But somehow I was, I kept taking directions and the pro, and when I, once I did a step four, and a step five, what happened to me is what was promised was happened to me and against my own fucking will. Like that obsession was lifted from me and it was not only lifted from me, it was taken off the table completely. Like for me, I wasn't never scared. I knew I could live with it. I didn't think that I could live without it. And when that was lifted, I was shocked. I knew A, that I had nothing to do with it. And I also was terrified. It was the scariest moment of my life. That was the first time I hit my knees and I asked for help. And I dropped out of the debate of what that looks like. I didn't need to know what it looks like, looked like. And that was a huge turning point for me. And, you know, it was like I finally saw a, a, a sliver, just a crack. I cracked the door of the truth. You know, it was the first time that I got that. And, and I, I think I took, took the steps one, two, and three after that happened. So yeah. I and, and, and that's where it into it. I backdoored it in and, you know, and it, it works whether you want it to work or not is the point. Like if you take the actions. That's pretty much, you know, like what, what I was about to ask you is that, um, you know, like usually people will say that, you know, like, you know, like they almost need to be taken in order, you know, like, you know, like that you, you first, um, mm -hmm give up on, you know, I kind of, um, 
your powerlessness and you know all of that um and you say that you know like you had to go through four which for listeners that don't know what we're talking about because i don't want to fall into that you know like a huge fraternity lingo but four means that you go through um minutious and and detailed inventory of your own life you know like pretty much what we're doing right now uh (laughs) you know so um and and, you know like it's a rigorous and and it's a tough Mm -hmm. process to go through if you want to be completely honest uh and going through it and fifth is actually to you know, like admit some of these, you know, like defect of personality and, and share it with someone else, you know, like, and, 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 and yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Joseph, you know, like sometimes I, I get, I get them all mixed, but, um, I, but you said that you had to go through those two processes before even, um, considering the first three that you just described. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, I'm not here to sell, 12 step. Um, you, you know, I, I talk about it because I'm here to share my experience. Um, I, I don't think that like uh, 12 step programs have cornered the market on, on, uh, you know, how, how people can recover. It's the only way that I know because it's all I can share with you is my personal, personal experience. Oh yeah. Um, Dito for and, me, and right? Think, like it saved I think my life. Foundational. Um, you know, I, I do think that it does exactly what it's designed to do. And, and that's to, it, it's, it's a spiritual based program. And it, and what happens is, is, you know, if you have this thing, this disease, whatever it is you want to call it, or, you know, it's dark side that, that is that we're, we're hell bent of destroying ourselves. Um, no matter what it is that we're putting in our bodies. Like if you really have that thing, it, it needs to be lit. Like there's something higher needs to lift it from us. So, like I personally stay out of the debate of what that looks like. I really don't fucking care what it looks like. Yeah. Um, all, all I know is that I didn't have anything to do with it. So it, it's, it's, um, I, I, so like, I, you know, we are talking about this just as strictly because it's my experience, but here's the thing about it's foundational. It's vital. It's vital because without me being sober, there is nothing else. Like there's no family, there's no relationships, there's no job, there's no freedom, and most likely there's no breathing. So, um, however, it so it does exactly what it's designed to do. But it, what I mean by it being foundational is when we're talking about functional health, like I like fully like holistic functional health there needs to be other things that needs to be addressed that we don't address in rooms of 12 step programs this is what i do with my coaching like you there full functional health is is five prongs there's physiological there's psychological there's metabolical and there's cognitively and behaviorally and then there's spiritual in the 12 steps room it treats our spiritual but I would, I got dropped short in those other parts, you know, um, because we're not there. The people in those room aren't there to show you to uncover and discover what your purpose is to decide of what type of person that you want to be and, and help you design a system to get there. Um, you know, they don't cover, you know, 
what types of foods should you put into your body? How do you optimize your sleep? How do you heal your brain after decades of alcohol and drug abuse? Um, and you know, everything else. So, you know, part of my story is, is I got a lot sicker before I got any better. Um, you know, I, I wasn't drinking and I, and I took directions in there and, and I was slowly recovering, but you know, I, I got hit with, with, you know, depression. Um, and I was wallowing in self pity and victimhood. And, you know, I was diagnosed as being depressed. I was medicated on antidepressant drugs. And, you know, I took that diagnosis and I ran with it. I, I made it my identity and I did it good. Like I, and I use that diagnosis to, to manipulate other people, to get sympathy, to not jump into the stream of life. And I turned to food. And when I got sober, I was 225 pounds. And, and that was in August, 2009. By March, um, 2015, I was 415 pounds. Um, so I turned to food to medicate myself and it might be, you know, uh, a little, it's not any less destructive, that's for sure, but it might be a little more, um, acceptable. Um, but it, you know, I got really, really, really sick and, and, you know, uh, in March, 2015, before I, I decided to stop just, you know, just sort of barely surviving and start living and take back control of my health, I was sicker than I was when I got sober in 2009. Like I said, I was living on the street and I was at a $300 a day heroin habit and everything that comes with that. So, um, you know, it, I, I'm not here to push anything, you know, I'm just sharing my experience. And, and at the same time, Joseph, you know, like the, the, I think you like you bring a point where, um, I, I, since I've started that podcast, so like it, it made me think a lot about kind of the foundation of of it all you know, like of the 12-step program um initially there's there's a, a, a an individual called bill which um out of desperation reaches out to finding a, a anyone that is a drunk because you know like he's he's gone through every churches in his area and couldn't find any priests and reaches out to a, another fellow that's called dr bob and they end up sharing their life story and sharing their their own their own personal feelings and and realizing after a few hours of exchanging and, and sharing together that um they're not thirsty you know like they, they don't feel like using or drinking and uh and they pretty much went through a like a four and a five together and my guess is that you know like you you you're probably right that you know like the the first three step have been realized after that event um well, not the truth you know it's it's the truth it gives you a glimpse of the truth yeah it was the first glimpse of the truth i've ever had of myself of the world of the people in it i i, I like part of how this disease works is it warps your mind like i you're detached from the truth So it, what it did is, is unload, it, it uncovered some truth for me just a little, you know, it, it, I had to, I had to do a whole lot more work in a lot of different areas of my life, but like just a little bit of truth 
was enough to keep me going. Yeah. And, and they know how they say the truth will set you free, but not until it's finished with you. You know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of times in life, I got to learn the same lesson over and over and over and over and over again until I really, 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 really get it. And when we're, de- when we're dealing with alcohol and drugs, you, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to end up, you know, in a grave before you get it, you know? Yeah. Wow. So what brought you into um, wanting to to share that knowledge, to share that wisdom? Well, um, you know, I, 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 I still, you know, work in the communities, um, in 12 step communities and, and, you know, I, I work with others and, and I, and I share my story and, and honestly, as I can to, you know, in hopes to, to, to give people some hope and show people that there's a way out. Um, like I mentioned, I, I, uh, I was, I was, I made my, my living building custom furniture and it was something that I always loved to do. And it was something that I had a lot of passion in and something that, you know, really got my creative juices flowing. And, um, you know, after doing it for, you know, 20 years, um, you know, somewhere around three years ago, I started to feel really uninspired and, um, and, uh, feeling like it was, you know, just a, a means to an end. And it, 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 I just had a, a, a feeling that there was something more and, you know, what they talk about in, in 12 step programs. And I think this is where I got sold short is like that you have, this is your primary purpose. And that when you do this, it solves all, all your other problems. I don't think that's true because I had a whole lot of more problems. It didn't solve all my problems. I still didn't know that I get to choose the type of man that I want to be. Like, I'm not my past. I'm not who I was before I picked up a drink. I'm not who I was throughout my recovery. I'm, I am what I, what I do. I am what I pay attention to when nobody's watching. And that I get to choose the type of person that I want to be. Um, and, you know, I obviously had gone through these transformations and, and, and which is, you know, you know, it's, you know, people walk through all types of hardships and, and difficulties and challenges and pain. And, and, you know, most of mine was self-inflicted. So I'm not comparing myself with others, but, you know, I, I had transformed my life in, in all, all main areas of my life. And they, you know, I, I've, a day at a time, I've been able to, you know, stay away from a drink or a drug for 11 plus years. I, I, completely transformed my health and my body. Um, you know, I went from 415 pounds to 228 pounds, um, without any medical intervention or, or pills or crash dieting. Um, I've completely changed my, 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 my mindset. And, you know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, and I was telling him like, you know, I know I'm making a lot of progress and I know I'm doing a you know, I'm doing good work in, in, in the rooms and, 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 um, but I just feel like something's missing. And he said it to me and you would have think it would have crossed my mind because I was plugged into the personal development world at a necessity, um, you know, t- in order for me to, to continue to do what I'm committed to, which is never ending self-improvement. Um, and I, and I, 
you know, I knew people that were, that were coaching, um, and teaching and writing and speaking. Um, but I, it had never crossed my mind as something to do. And he says, well, look at, look at everything that you've overcome. He's, he, he put, he framed it this way and it made an impact on me. He said, you'd be doing yourself and the world a disservice if you didn't, if you, if you weren't sharing this with other people. And, and, and there was a spark, you know, there was a spark. It felt like it was like one of those aha moments um, that, that you have in various points of your life when it's like, yes, this is what I need to be doing. This is what was missing. And so I committed to doing that and, you know, to transition away from what wasn't fulfilling me anymore. And in my opinion, really wasn't fucking helping anybody um, and start to move towards a, 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 you know, a service based business that would create a life that I designed for myself and provide me with with some freedom. Um, not only, you know, financial freedom, not only the ability to add value to people, li- people's lives and help them thrive and help them along the same path that I walk, but, you know, to be able to do it independent of location, which was super important to me because I was chained to New Jersey for, for my whole life because I couldn't get away from what, what I needed. So, um, it, it was out of that, after that conversation that my company efficacy life coaching was, was, was born. And I started to move in slowly in that direction. And then, you know, as mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, when the pandemic hit, I dove in, you know, with both feet and, um, you know, my business is starting to grow and, um, and I'm really uncomfortable because I'm operating in an area that, that, um, is outside of my comfort zone, which is great. You know, it's like, there is no growth or opportunity that exists in the same space with me being comfortable. And so I'm, I'm able to add value to people's life. And I'm, and I'm, I've, I've, I'm choosing to design a life for myself that, uh, that, um, where I'm contributing, where I feel like I'm contributing and, and, and I feel like that things could, things could get better. And I could do that, you know, using my strength. The reason why I work with people, um, in recovery, um, the people who are looking to, to, I mean, to help them supplement their programs, whatever those programs are, doesn't need to be a 12 step program, but help them supplement those, those programs and help them to like uncover and discover the type of people they want to be and, and help them design a system to be able to get to cross that bridge from where they are to where they want to be. That's uh, I'm able to use my strengths to help others and make a living, which is an ideal situation to me for me. And you do this mostly in one-on-one counseling and, and, um, and kind of, yeah, like, like co one-on-one coaching actually. Yeah. Um, right now I'm doing one-on-one coaching, but, and, and I'm really laying a strong foundation for my business. Um, you know, because I've, I've, I've been chipping away at it for the last three, three years. And, and I was able to work with some people and, you know, was able to help them and get some referrals through, through them. And, but it was never anything, um, that, 
I could make the full transition between, you know, leave my job. I could have, I guess, I guess I didn't have the balls to do it. I could have just burned all the bridges behind me and dove in a hundred percent, but, um, that's, that's not what happened. But, you know, I, I, I intend to be able to do it on a, on a larger scale to be able to do, do group coaching and run workshops and master minds and, and, write and speak. But right now, most of my, my clients are just one-on-one clients, you know, that we work with each other virtually. And, um, speaking of which, where can people find you, Joseph? Well, um, my website is about to go up. Um, you can include all these links in the show notes, but that's efficacylifecoaching.com. That's E F F I C A C Y lifecoaching.com. And then I ha- I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn, um, at, at Joseph Polaro and I'm on Facebook at, at efficacy life coaching. That's E F F I C A C Y L I F E C O A C H I N G. Um, so those are, those are two places that you can plug in. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm on a daily basis. I'm, I am putting content out there and, and you will find tips and tools and strategies and, and hacks to, to optimize your life and to, uh, take your recovery to another level. And, um, I mean, it's, it's, a it's a great life and, and, and life experience and life story. Um, you just shared, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm just so, uh, humbled and, and, and happy that people are accepting to embark on that journey. You know, like I'm, I'm, you know, like people find me redundant, but, uh, it's my way to thank you, Joseph, to have been part of that. Um, it was a, it was a great conversation. It was, a. It was great. It really was. <laughs> Too bad we only had an hour. I mean, you got the PG version and the abbreviated version, but uh, I hopefully we were able to add some value to your listeners. And if if somebody, you know, if somebody walks away from this thing that we just did together with a, a glimmer of hope that wasn't there before, we've done our job. Yeah, and and no no doubt that you know like we'll be uh, um, we'll be meeting each other soon. Um, you know, like I, I want to have, uh, the full detail on, you know, like how this thing goes on, you know, like how, how it, uh, how it grows and you know, like where, where, where you go from there for sure. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's, it's so awesome. Like when, when you are like living your purpose, like, and, and you're committed how people come into your life to bring you higher. You're one of those people, Alex. Thank you. Thanks to you, Joseph. It was really appreciated. I have, I, you know, I hope for you the best. Thank you, brother. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care.